Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Hope you've enjoyed your two weeks away from us as best you could, given the circumstances. It's been a tough 2020. I mean, we had the Kobe Bryant news yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm ready for January to be over, guys. But we're looking forward to going through the season in review, 2019 Ravens season. It was definitely a special one. And just thinking about all these months and where the team went. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I know last episode was really a bunch of raw emotions from what we had seen the previous day. I mean, we'd been barely over 24 hours when we were recording to, uh, to then when the game had happened. But, you know, I do know some fans' perspective is that any season your team doesn't win the Super Bowl, the season is considered a failure. I get if some Ravens fans are still a little bitter about how this season ended and transpired, but speaking for myself, I think that now that I've had two weeks to process what happened, you know, this team, I think, overachieved this year, and they had a good chance to make the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. I still think there's plenty of, of good things to look back on in the season, great memories, and a lot of positive things to hang your coat on to look at what could happen with this team in some coming seasons. Yeah, it's definitely important to just, you know, like you said, Peter, just everyone was so upset after the Tennessee game. And, you know, part of me still is, but it's it's definitely important to look back and, uh, you know, recognize that only one team a year wins the Super Bowl. And that doesn't mean that everyone else has been a complete failure. I mean, you can, you know, overachieve given your roster, you know, there are lots of plays that are going to stand out and, and be remembered for a long time. And so I think it's definitely important that we kind of had this episode to recap a lot of that stuff. We have to appreciate the unprecedented run that the Ravens were on during the end of the season there. Everything went our way, and then we forgot what it was like to have some bad luck. So that I think that's what it was. We were just so used to converting every time we wanted to and kind of just having our way with every team that the second we were kind of challenged we're like, this is not how this you know, football is supposed to work anymore. <laughs> so, all right, guys, let's let's start all the way at the beginning. Preseason football. I think what's interesting about the preseason, looking back, is just how many of the players that we were high on did absolutely nothing. <laughs> right? Like, Jaleel Scott had a good time. He was an inactive warrior. He was just constantly inactive Kenny Young his greatest contribution was leaving so that we could get Marcus Peters uh, he did nothing when he was on the Rams zero plays registered on defense just some special teams and he had no tackles to speak of well he did have uh, that big sack against the guy who no one knew anything about but he actually you know came up with Gardner Minshew he had that sack against him in the preseason. Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's what put him on the radar. <laughs> yeah. That was his season highlight. Yeah, exactly. He knocked his helmet off. It was a good hit. But, you know, at the time we were like, who the heck is Minshew? But now we're like, you know, Minshew's the guy. He's like the next <laughs> he's like the next Brett Favre. <laughs> or Blake Bortles. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's a good point because, you know, we talked quite a bit about these guys going into the year. There was a healthy debate on whether or not Kenneth Dixon would make the roster if Justice Hill was good enough to be the RB3. 
And, you know, while we saw some flashes from Justice Hill towards the end of the year, it definitely took him longer to get rolling than was expected. Yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean, every now and again, though, a preseason standout can translate into the regular season. I mean, 2018, Gus Edwards had a huge preseason. And I remember there was a huge debate on whether or not he should get the roster spot over Kenneth Dixon. And there are a lot of fans who are just like brushing it off. Oh, it's just preseason. You know, this guy's undrafted. Look at Dixon. He's got a better skill set. And, you know, well, we've seen how that's worked out so far. Gus the Bus had two years in a row where he's done a pretty good, decent job as the RB2 for this team. So, yeah, we'll see if uh, if these guys can build on what they did in preseason and, and maybe make an impact next year. Yeah, another guy I think who was probably the biggest preseason warrior of them all, Miles Boykin. Yeah, I mean, we're still kind of asking ourselves, you know, going into this offseason, like, you know, can this guy make the next step? I know a lot of people are looking at him as like, well, if he was that good in the preseason, clearly he's got some sort of talent going for him, but he's got to make that next step to be able to, you know, compete with some of the ones and, and guys like that. So he's definitely a guy to definitely watch out uh, for next year. Yeah, Boykin made some plays in the regular season, but it was surprising with how much they they fed the ball to him in the preseason that he was used as little as he was. It'll be something interesting to keep an eye on in the years coming out because there were a lot of a lot of wide receivers that came out of this year's draft that had success this year. Not just top guys, but some guys from the middle rounds as well. Obviously, Boykin was a third-round pick. Like we said before, he looks to have the body that can translate into being a pretty solid number two receiver. Um, he has been was very instrumental this year as a run blocker. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what if type of leap he makes into year two. Kerry Vedvik started his Down the Tubes tour immediately after leaving Baltimore for a collection of picks that we greatly appreciated, one of which was used to get Marcus Peters. Yeah, like that was kind of the preseason. And don't forget, I remember the excitement in Baltimore when Hollywood Brown made his debut in preseason. He showed off his footwork and his hands. And I think everyone knew, particularly from that Philadelphia game, that he'd be a contributor this season. Yeah, and he didn't even really do much in that game from a a stats perspective. He had uh, three catches for only 17 yards. However, the big thing there was that he caught all three of his targets, and I think he should, he he almost he had a touchdown, didn't he? And it was called back. I could be misremembering that, but you could just see even in that short bit that he was really strong at route running and had hands that were like glue, and it was really that was a really promising sign seeing him on the field and, and doing those those small things so well to give a little bit of a precursor of of what we were going to see from this guy. Yeah, and the other thing we have to remember, too, that happened this preseason, do you guys remember the Lamar Leap? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where our, our fantasy league name came from. Yep. I was against the Green Bay, uh, Green Bay preseason game. So, man, what a, you know, what a way to start the season for Lamar. I mean, we had no idea at the time what kind of season he was going to have. But, man, oh, man, starting the year with with a, a meme like that, that was great. Yeah, and that run looks so good. I'm pretty sure that one was called back on, like, a, a holding penalty, right, or a block in the back. I think the 
the actual touchdown was called back preseason, of course, doesn't really matter. But yeah, I, I mean, and obviously during his rookie year, Lamar made some really incredible runs, but you could just see in that run that it looked better than his rookie year. Like he looked like he had a better feel for how to engage NFL linebackers and, and make him miss more with his footwork rather than just his straight line speed. Uh, as Alec has pointed out several times throughout the year, that was a big change in in Lamar's game this year that went a little more unnoticed because he made the more noticeable changes in the passing game. But yeah, I remember when we uh, when we was watching that live, we were texting back and forth about how how we just couldn't get enough of watching the replay of that run. <laughs> and you were right, Peter. It looks like uh, I forgot this one too, but. Yeah, it was called back from a penalty on Willie Sneed, unfortunately. But, you know, we ended up getting uh, undefeated in the preseason, so that was something. Yeah, that's now a, a four-year streak going on. Yes, sir. <laughs> Jeez. Just retire Harbaugh's preseason headset into Canton now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Peter, you got to talk about your favorite part of the season, the extended preseason. Well, we're still talking about the preseason, you know. We just we just went through the the first three games. Um, you know, not really much to talk about with that that last one. I mean, that last game of the season, the only thing we were really watching for was is Kenneth Dixon going to make the roster? I think. And Willie Henry, remember that? Willie Henry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if when we did that uh, that roster prediction show, I mean, I think I think some of our picks that we got wrong, like was the three of us just trying to make the show interesting. Like we were overthinking some of those <laughs> some of those spots so that we just didn't all have the same players because it was it was pretty darn obvious who was gonna make it and who wasn't. Um, you know. But, you know, some people didn't think it was super obvious that uh, Chuck Clark was gonna make the roster, but you know, we'll get to <laughs> Chuck Clark. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, and then after after the standard four weeks of preseason that the Ravens had the NFL scheduling committee gifted them with two additional weeks of preseason with, you know, playing the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. And that was a joke going into the year <laughs> that those games would be so easy that we might as well just give the Ravens a 2-0 record already. But they, they backed up our confidence, <laughs> to say the least. Well, definitely in the first game. The Arizona game was a little bit tighter. But Hollywood made one of the, maybe the best play of his whole season uh, before that. Maybe that actually that playoff catch was right up there. But the, just that incredible down the sideline catch that Hollywood made in Arizona to help us get that victory. Because I mean, we only won twenty three to seventeen. Like it was still a pretty close game. But we got those two wins, and things were looking good in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, the first week against Miami, Hollywood had you know an even better show. I mean, those two touchdowns he had were just fantastic. I mean, I still remember him outrunning uh, Minka Fitzpatrick on that on that long one. It was just an awesome route by him just to get behind him and, uh, you know, a great adjustment to catch the ball and, you know, be able to fool Minka into tackling him and, and just whiffing completely on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that game in particular, I think I'm pretty sure after that game I ended up right on NFL Shop and just bought a Lamar jersey. Because I don't think any of us expected going into this season that Lamar would come out with a passing <laughs> clinic like that, basically. I mean, he was just 
on fire that game. He, you know, he was like a guy who came out and basically was like, you know, wanted to show the world, like, hey, you guys may think I'm a running back, but, uh, you know, I'm actually a quarterback. I'm actually pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> and how can we forget after that game? That's when that's when our favorite or one of our favorite phrases from the from a year of many phrases came out. Not bad for a running back. <laughs> yeah, and another thing to to talk about that game. 59 points, Ravens, a regular season franchise. Well, franchise record, because they never scored that many in the playoffs for certain. <laughs> yeah, that was just truly an incredible game. I was having so much fun. I was watching it in a house that has a young child that was trying to sleep, and I had to control my excitement. <laughs> it was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know how you get at football games, Alec. <laughs> yes. We'll get to I wasn't that. Quite- <laughs> I wasn't quite there yet, but uh, I was having a good old time. But talking about a time that wasn't quite as fun, those back-to-back losses, the only two losses the Ravens suffered until the game that ended their season, really tough loss to Kansas City, who were all looking to be kind of the rival going forward, two young quarterbacks, selling defenses over time, really incredible offenses. I think we'll be seeing a lot of Kansas City not just because of our first seed in our respective divisions, but even again in the playoffs going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Kansas City and the Ravens both have a lot of young offensive talent, a lot of guys who match up well with the type of defenses that defensive coordinators are scheming up these days. It's a real shame we didn't get part two of that this year, but like you said, Ravens are going to play Kansas City Next year, I'm pretty sure that game's in Baltimore, So finally. Finally. <laughs> After the first yep. two, we're in Kansas City. And yeah, at some point in the very near future, maybe even next season, there's you're going to see round one of, I would, I would say at least three or four of Lamar versus Mahomes in the postseason. Yeah, we could circle that one as a Ravens recap party. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to miss that game, even if the price is high. But to get back to what actually happened in that in that game, I think is really worth talking about because as we said, Alex said, these are the only two games that the Ravens lost in the regular season. And if we look at why the Ravens were able to continue winning after that, it really comes down to that there were definitely some leaks in the boat. And I know that I was watching that defense against Kansas City and then the next week against Cleveland, and it was very bizarre to watch a team that had that much talent. And, uh, you know, in the offseason, we did that that podcast on what we were expecting to see from the Ravens' defense, and, and Alec was super jazzed. He was more excited to talk about the defense than about the Ravens' offense, what we were going to be expecting from them. And then we're just watching this secondary that's just getting shredded like Swiss cheese by uh, Tyreek Hill-less Kansas City offense, um, which still had a lot of talent, but they got way too many big plays than what we would expect. And then the Cleveland Browns with our good buddy Baker Mayfield, you know, finally having Ricky Seals-Jones give the the fantasy game that everyone had given up on two years ago. And Jarvis Landry just tore that up. And, man, after that, the Ravens needed to make a big change. And 
that was the start of DaCosta really salvaging the season while it was taking place. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking at the time, you know, the Kansas City game was going to be close. I mean, we had an extremely close game in 2018, you know, one that could have gone either way. Uh, you know, going into that game, I thought, well, okay, that one would be pretty close. I mean, we talked about it before the game. I, I think, I think Peter, you know, I think you actually picked Kansas City that week. I was very close to picking them. We knew it was going to be tough, but I mean, you're right. It was, it was that next game against Cleveland where we came in, we're like, you know, <laughs> we could, we could see past the off season, right? We knew the Browns are going to be the same old Browns. We were, you know, admittedly, I think a little worried, but we were definitely not as worried as we were playing Kansas City. But we were not expecting the defense to just be completely steamrolled by, you know, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Ricky Seals-Jones, of all people. And, I mean, you're absolutely right that going into the season, we expected much more from the defense. We had a couple losses that we knew, but we still had a really strong secondary, a lot of good players on the back end. And, um, yeah, after those two weeks back-to-back of, of just – really poor defensive play the coaching staff and and Eric DaCosta knew that they had to bring in more people otherwise you know the season could have turned out a lot more different than it did I think the worrying didn't stop even as the fortune switched to the other direction the Pittsburgh game was remarkably close and even the Cincinnati game was way closer than we expected there's a joke in here by Peter that I was talking about how this the season was stressing me out (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I don't know how I feel about this team going forward and how we're all just waiting for that Seattle game to be able to make a a final judgment or maybe not final but like it'll give us the most evidence we had going forward to what was happening with this team yeah I forget if it made the air of the of the pod that we did post or not but I do remember it did (laughs) did. okay Yeah, for those of you who who um, didn't listen to that pod, um, Alec infamously said that go, when we were after we were doing the Cincinnati preview, that if the Ravens lost that game, like he didn't know if he would uh, if he would continue doing the pod. You know, might we might have closed up shop then. <laughs> <laughs> However, we don't. We'll never know how close Alec really was to. Um, <laughs> not, not that close. <laughs> It was laden in sarcasm, but like, you know, I just didn't want us to lose. (laughs) It was a threat. It was a threat. Losing to Cincinnati would not have been good. That game, I think the final score made the game look a lot closer than it was. But yeah, the Ravens definitely didn't dominate that game like we would see them dominate uh, in coming weeks. But yeah, it would have been so bad to be to lost to the Bengals. I I told this story when we recorded the, the recap of the game, but... I did go to that game and I got there a little late. So I was um, just about to get in, go through the metal detectors when the kickoff was happening. So I'm going and taking, you know, stuff out of my pockets to get, go through the metal detector. And I hear this cheering behind me and I look up on the big screen and I see Cincinnati score a touchdown. And I look behind me and here's, you know, Cincinnati fan guy. He's, you know, got on, Big Bengals sunglasses, Bengals floppy hat, AJ Green jersey, black and, and orange beads around his neck. So he's going ham for could a touchdown. So, you know, I, I had to do some friendly trash talk. I was like, yeah, you know, we, we had to spot you guys some points or else, you know, it would have been too big a blowout. And then I just saw his face get super dejected and he was just like, 
yeah, you're probably right. We're probably not scoring again all day. And I was just <laughs> thinking to myself, man, Ravens definitely can't screw this game up if this fan base has this little confidence in this team. <laughs> that game was, was also memorable for a weird stat where so Lamar finished with 236 passing yards and 152 rushing yards, which apparently was the first player in the Super Bowl era to top 200 yards passing and 150 yards rushing in a single game. Now, afterwards, I, I did look it up. For whatever reason, people were leaving out Colin Kaepernick's playoff game against Green Bay, where he he did the same thing. Um, this is the first time in a regular season game that uh, happened. Okay. But okay. yeah, like uh, of Ravens fans, I think are forgiven for forgetting that happened because it's probably, you know, the most mundane of <laughs> of <laughs> records that Lamar broke this year. <laughs> That's right. But I can say I saw Super Bowl history. <laughs> or No, sorry. I can say I saw NFL history at that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, part four was a single game <laughs> in the saga that was the Ravens season. And that was the game against Seattle. We had it circled. I think even before this even started, that this was going to be a very interesting game, led to a very long stretch of games that were uh, against very well-regarded teams. And we went in there not knowing if the Ravens had what it took. It was going to be the next test. And it was one of the most fun I had watching a Ravens game. It had that moment that I think will go down in uh, Ravens, just history, the fourth and one, go for it. It was fourth and two, fourth and two. I, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. I got the plaque. Two. I got the plaque. So, you have a plaque? There's a plaque. Yeah, I told you, my brother got it for me for Christmas. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so that's how you know it's like it's a legit play. It's going to go down <laughs> in franchise history because there's a plaque with it. <laughs> it was fourth and two. I don't even know how I misspoke. And then, of course, uh, Marcus Peters' first game as a Raven. And he picked off Russell Wilson for the first time in it was some something crazy, like two hundred some attempts. That was his first interception of the year, yeah. Yeah, and it went back to the house. Yeah, I mean that game was huge. I mean, for yeah, I mean all you know, all the reasons you just listed, Alec. I mean, I know we had started acquiring some more players after the Cleveland game to try and shore up the defense. So Josh Bynes was a guy who came in. LJ Ford was another guy who came in to play against Pittsburgh. Josh Bynes actually had a really good first game that he came in. He had an interception against the Steelers. So he was starting to look good. LJ Fort, you know, was kind of good in some limited packages, but we didn't really, you know, see everything start to come together. But it was right before that Seattle game, Marcus Peters comes in. And, you know, at that point, you know, when he started off with that pick six against Russell Wilson, who hadn't thrown an interception all year, that was just something you were just like, okay, all right, things are starting to come together. Defense is looking good now. And, um, yeah, man, from there, just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, the record speaks for itself, man. I mean, I don't think in our score prediction sheet here, I don't think we picked against the Ravens in any game moving forward. And the Ravens did not disappoint. Mm. Yeah, it's you're exactly right. This win was it was the biggest regular at the time. It was the biggest regular season win I could think of the Ravens having that wasn't over Pittsburgh uh, over the past five seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. probably maybe going back the one that 
was maybe almost as good was maybe beating the Saints in 2014 on Monday Night Football in New Orleans. But, I mean, the Saints, that was kind of a down year for them. I think they did make the playoffs, but were like a one-and-done in the wild card. Not that Seattle made it super far this year either, but like you said, Russell Wilson was playing at a at a truly historic um, pace, and you're going into the rain in a stadium that's one of the hardest to play in in the NFL, cross-country trip to a stadium, and you're playing a team you only see once every four years. It was a win that this fan base desperately needed to have confidence in this team going forward. Peter, you're 100% right. You put it so well. We talked about it going into the season, how the Ravens just weren't winning those games that made you feel like, yeah, like that's the game. Like we didn't necessarily deserve it or it wasn't a gimme. They had so few of those games over the last five seasons or so that this game was it. It was awesome. We finally did it. We won a game that was we weren't supposed to win, so to speak. Um, and it felt amazing. Yeah, and really good, especially going into a bye week. I mean, <laughs> if the Ravens hadn't won that game, I mean, we think we still would have felt okay about the game if they had put up a good showing and showed they could at least, you know, play with Seattle. But to win by 14 points and have as dominant as the second half as they did was was huge. And also, I think... You guys already talked about it, but I think we want to put emphasis on it because some Ravens fans, admittedly, I understand your angle, are you, you know saying Harbaugh shouldn't have gone for it in those fourth down situations. Let's not forget, Ravens probably do not win this game, or at least definitely don't win it in as convincing a fashion if they don't go for it and just settle for a field goal on that drive. And we don't get a plaque. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah i mean as as you know that that fourth and two has been talked about to death as well it's just you know the the whole drama leading up to it of lamar coming off the field being dejected and coach coming over and be like do you want to go for it and he's like hell yeah coach i want to go for it and then yonder coming over and be like hell yeah <laughs> just that that scene right there that you know mic'd up video that you're gonna see i mean that that right there is just gonna live on in uh, the baltimore ravens archives and you know fans are gonna look at it from here on there and be like man i remember that team the 2019 ravens those guys man that was a good year mm. yes sir well one of the most fun i had as a ravens fan was watching the next game after a long bye week one of the games we circled on the schedule new england at home Monday night football it was too expensive, so none of us actually went to the game, but Peter and I <laughs> were able to watch it together uh, with a uh, friend of the show, T-Bama, and some of his friends, and it was a great, great gathering in Baltimore. Man, we won. We won in a very convincing fashion, and that was, I think, definitely, if Seattle felt like a turning point, that New England game was the punctuation mark, the, we're leaving the station, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Ravens, huge win against Seattle, but, you know, it's only one game. So they they had a bye week that they were coming off of, and they had to prove that the that their win against Seattle wasn't a fluke. And seeing how, how poorly New England's season ended, it's, you know, some fans might not remember that the Patriots were undefeated at this point in the regular season, despite the fact that they had 
a very cupcake schedule. They were still executing in those games. And some analysts were discussing that, is this the greatest defense in NFL history that the Patriots uh, had? Uh, you know, <laughs> laughable now, but there were articles that were written. Oh, I know. <laughs> and they let out a lot of advanced stats. And everyone was just like, but look at the quarterbacks. And some of those analysts were like, yeah, but that's kind of their job is to beat their opponent. And a lot of us were like, yes, but still, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're given a four foot rim, you're going to dunk every time. And that's basically <laughs> what their defense was doing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, I still think it was a pretty big game. I, I know we've been uh, <laughs> skeptical of the Patriots, especially in the last couple of weeks of the season, saying like, oh, you know, they're not as good as the record says they are. I mean, now that we know that, you know, they were one and done in the wild card, you know, maybe they weren't as good of a team as they thought. But I, I still think overall, this was a really good win for the Ravens. You know, it was Sunday night game big game against an undefeated team at the time. You know, a team that has given the Ravens a lot of fits over the years. Although we mm. play them very well, they've Patriots have always just, you know, been able to come out on top with such <laughs> strange endings. I mean, we've talked about it at length. The end of the 2011 season was a complete heartbreaker for the Ravens. Uh, the 2014 game went back and forth, and the Patriots were able to come out on top with some weird trick plays. These games are tough. It's a tough opponent, and having a win against them, especially one where we completely embarrassed their defense. I mean, coming into this game, like you said, Peter, I mean, these guys thought that they were one of the best defenses of all time, and they came in, and we just scored, like, unanswered, like, I think it was 17 unanswered points at the time, and, I mean, you saw them on the sidelines, and these guys were, like, just so frustrated that they right. couldn't figure out our offense and, and you know seeing that and then you know with the second half of the game we just kind of kept you know kept the pressure on it, it was just a a great thing to see a great uh, team win great for our momentum you know great for confidence in our guys to say that like okay we've got an offense and we think that this thing is going to work we're going to ride this until it stops <laughs> and I tell you man that degradation of the Patriots team throughout the rest of the season kind of crushed us going to another callback from previous shows I said you know Kansas City after they picked up Suggs like we will see you again and like we'll make you pay for this etc and we didn't get to see that and if you look back it's kind of because of the Patriots right if the Patriots do their job and beat Miami then they would have kept their two seed their undeserving two seed and we would probably gone to Houston, which I think we all rather have played over Tennessee when we were d- discussing it. And let's just assume we win, and let's just assume Casey beats the Patriots like we assume. We would have seen that game that we all were hoping for, uh, the Mahomes-Lamar show-off, and uh, we'll have to wait another season, I guess, for that. And it's just disappointing. I don't know if we would have won that game. It definitely would have been the number one game that I would have you know, picked the Ravens but been nervous about, you know. <laughs> But it would have been so cool to see, and, and uh, it's just frustrating that we didn't get to even see that. I, I almost rather have lost that way than the way we did lose, um, but they all suck, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, every year, if your team doesn't win the championship, 
whatever that loss was is going to be upsetting. It is interesting to think if this is the if that what we saw was the last big game between the Ravens and the Patriots because you know there's questions as to whether or not Tom Brady's even going to come back to the Patriots in this offseason. I think if Brady doesn't retire, he does come back, but we'll see what does oh, happen. Oh, interesting. I think he goes to the Chargers. Like, I think that makes so much sense for so many reasons. Interesting. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd be thrilled to see that. And But then, you know, like we're talking about Belichick without Brady, is it, is it going to be the same Patriots? Are they going to be able to 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 do it without him? Sure, they did, they were 11-5 and five with uh, Matt Castle back in 08, but they didn't even make the playoffs that year. <laughs> we shall see. We shall. But yeah, you guys are absolutely right. That win gave the fan base a huge amount of confidence, and it's funny. I was putting down in our in our show notes when we're going through this. I put down basically the entire regular rest of the regular season. You know, if if, if you think back to uh, how sports movies go, it's, you know, you have the they start out, and then the player, the team, they have you know, no one believes in them for X Y reason, and then you have that game where they struggle, and then they they get that. That victory, they prove themselves, and then they just, there's just a montage of the rest of the games leading up to the big one, whatever the climax is of that movie. And I kind of feel like that's kind of how the rest of the regular season was for the Ravens in a way, because you know the team just kept winning, and most of the games weren't even close. The only game, if you look back on it, that really felt at any point like it was in danger was uh, the game against San Francisco, and if... Lamar doesn't get stripped by, admittedly, it was an excellent defensive play at the beginning of the second half. That game's probably a blowout as well, and you don't need the, the late-game dramatics and the, the game winner by Justin Tucker. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you look at the games here. I mean, you have the second Cincy game, which, unlike the first one, was a huge blowout. And, you know, Cincinnati just <laughs> did not look like that they were uh, prepared for that game. Uh, I mean, you had a win over Houston, we went to that game. It was a absolutely fantastic game. I mean, we thought it was going to be much closer than it actually was. In that game, the Ravens defense just gave Deshaun Watson a heck of a time, just confusing him and you know making him dance around in the pocket. He just didn't look like he wanted to throw the ball away. I mean, you look at the game against the Rams, which I think if you look basically at every season game that we played this year, that was probably the most dominant that the Ravens have been all year to be able to go to L.A., and embarrass the Super Bowl runner-up from last year in their home turf. I mean, that was you know about as dominant as a win as you can have in this league. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Peter. I, I'd say the only other game I think that was much closer uh, that you didn't hit on was the game against the Bills. That one definitely did come down to one uh, you know last-minute play by uh, our boy Marcus Peters at the end to be able to knock that pass away from John Brown because if John Brown catches that you know he he gets a touchdown and you know the Bills go up one point at the end of the game so that was definitely one that was a a little bit close but I mean from what we saw from the Bills I mean they were a very good team so that was a uh, you know it was it was good that we we came out on top on that one see I left that one out because I never really felt like the Ravens lost control of that game but I do I do see your point the the Bills were definitely, definitely appeared to be threatening at the end of that game. Right. And remember, this was the, like the regular season Bills, not the Bills that came out to play in Houston. 
That's true. <laughs> the wild card round. I could see how you can get those confused. Man, we still don't know who, why Josh Allen decided to throw that ball. I'm not sure. I was just glad that the uh, Bills hat that I got from my uh, <laughs> my uh, sister-in-law was uh, and my mother-in-law. They gave me a Bills hat for Christmas. I'm glad that I didn't have to wear that the the week after because I didn't want I didn't I didn't I didn't want I didn't want to have to like have the Ravens play the Bills and then like you know the Ravens lose to the Bills or something because then I would have had to wear the hat. So, <laughs> so I'm just glad I didn't have to wear it. <laughs> Maybe for another year if the Bills. Uh, you know, do better than the Ravens and they don't knock the Ravens out of the playoffs. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll save that for, for another year. But I'll just say one one game that stood out to me in particular was, you know, and this was a fairly recent one, was the, the second game against the Browns. We went into this game, you know, clearly we were already, uh, the team was already kind of upset about the uh, media attention that was given to the Browns the first time they played. However, you know, they weren't able to back that up, and they frankly got embarrassed <laughs> pretty badly. But coming into game two, near the end of the season, uh, this was a game that if the Ravens win it, they lock up the one seed and potentially, you know, push the Browns even further out of playoff contention. And, uh, you know, things were looking a little scary, I think, at the beginning of the game. But the Ravens come out with two minutes left to go in the half, and just put up 14 points and you know from there I mean you, you don't even look back the Ravens were in complete control of that game and uh you know I just look at that one it's just a game that was just like you know you, you didn't see that much from the Ravens you saw some close games you saw a lot of blowouts in this uh montage series of games but you didn't have a whole lot of games that went like the game against the Browns um and you know, just to be able to see the offense come out and uh, drop those quick scores on, and and just you know, <laughs> just ride off in the sunset was just a you know an, an awesome feeling. That's a really good point. That game was uh, an interesting one for the Ravens because it was one of the first times they showed some vulnerability, and then we kind of forgot about it because they just turned it on so much in the last thirty-one minutes. The one that no one has forgotten was the loss. The controversy continues in Baltimore of should the Ravens have played week 17 to not give their starters three weeks of rest. I still call it's a cliche argument on that because of the seven people, I think Chris put it excellently when we talked about uh, last episode of the seven people that didn't play, you probably don't have three of them playing anyways because their injuries were severe enough that they need to recover and the other four they didn't play bad enough in the other game to warrant that discussion everyone else was playing so uh you know we were raw last week uh or two weeks ago when we talked about the game i'm going to say my unraw opinion is it was still the correct move to sit everybody and rest and we just aren't happy with the outcome owner trying to find excuses i was a little disappointed <laughs> to hear that harbs was talking that next time he's leaning on playing the guys because he was actually leaning that way this year I really hope that was just him in a end of the season press conference still being raw about it. I hope that's not how he actually feels because I still don't think that's a good argument, but we'll see in ways. I think it is better when your team is fighting a little bit more. We had so much going right for us near the end of the season. It almost was like a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're kind of 
joking a little bit with how the second half of the season was kind of going like a montage, but honestly, it almost did feel that way. It, it felt like almost every week the Ravens were just kind of being like, you know, oh, this is another statement game. It's like, oh, this is going to be a big one. And like, you know, admittedly, there were some really good teams that we were playing in the second half of the season. So, you know, they were big games, but, you know, with the Ravens have so many blowouts, it it really was just like, oh, like we're kind of like making up this sort of uh, – narrative in terms of these games you know there were probably a handful that you could say were like oh these are really big and then the rest of them just kind of like you know yeah you know at the time you know the Ravens were just a much better team than some of the other teams that we were playing so it Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it felt like we were really trying to stretch that narrative a little bit well shoot Chris I mean I'm not looking at the schedule right now but we secured the game or the division at the Jets game right like we knew we had a home field game we were looking at the playoffs for a really long time yeah the team was talking about it we were talking about it like the playoffs were inevitable we were just like waiting for it to happen right (laughs) and i don't know maybe that's like not the way you really want your team to go into the playoffs we've seen with this ravens team when they do win the super bowl it's not like that uh they always have a uh wild card game to play they always you know are fighting a little bit more and i don't have you know every year's statistics in front of me to say oh is it good to be the first seed or the second seed or whatever Obviously, you want those buys. You want to be in such a position going into the the postseason for the injuries like we saw with Mark Ingram, etc. But there's something to be said about just the the tenacity of really having to earn every game and and it all matters just even a little bit more. We can say how they're professionals. We can say how they're focused. I don't take that away. I don't doubt that for a second. But I think it is just still a a difference. I think it brings up an interesting conversation of – in the NFL, what does regular season success really mean? And, or not what does it mean, but what does it mean in relation to postseason success? Because we're looking at the Ravens 2019, 14 and 2, 2006, 13 and 3. Both of those are the two best seasons from a record standpoint of that the Ravens have had. And in neither of those years did the Ravens win a playoff game. Now, you know, small sample size, sure, but it does bring up an interesting question. Does your record in the regular season really matter? I mean, it doesn't really mean anything beyond just what number you get at the end of the year. Do you really want the number one seed as much as we were saying, or is it, you know, You can't really play the games to try and match up with a certain opponent. Because, I mean, as we saw, who saw Miami beating New England in the last game of the season and royally f***ing up the playoff order. (laughs) But, yeah, it it just just makes you wonder from a fan's perspective. Like, we were getting so excited. Yeah, the Ravens are going to get the number one seed. They had the number one seed for, like, the last four or five weeks of the season. And ultimately, what we got out of it was a bunch of questions on how do you handle that bye week? Do you even want that bye week? Because... (laughs) everyone's arguing about whether or not you rest guys. So <laughs> I don't know. It's a, I don't have the answer, but it's a little interesting thought. Yeah, Peter, I think it's, it's super important that you bring all this up. We were so raw coming out of the game. It's like worth revisiting this. I, I tweeted crappily on the, on the Ravens recap Twitter that uh, it was laying with typos because I was trying to hit it out at a red light. Uh, don't judge me guys. Um, it, it was, I was listening to a podcast and I, that's why I wanted to share it before it was, it was out of my queue. And they were talking about how 
NFL playoffs, it's just like March Madness, right? Every game, there you, you get the variance. I think we all agree. I think even maybe Titans fans, you know, Titans fans, Tim, example, would agree. If we had a five-game series with the Titans, we win at least three of them. We win the series. I don't think many people would doubt that. But we didn't win that one, right? <laughs> and and then things happen, you know, and it, it blows up the whole season for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it comes down to just, like, expectations, right? I, I think that's what, you know, all these wins, you know, the 12-game win streak that comes up, and it's just, it really starts to inflate expectations for the team. And I, I don't even think that extra pressure is really that much on the team, per se, but it really affects the fans, right? Being fans of the team, like, you win 12 games, like, you're on a hot streak, man. Like, you got to keep it going, got to keep it going. And when that doesn't happen... It just becomes all that more of a heartbreak. It's because you've been, you know, so successful. It's just like you kind of expect the next game to just be a victory. And, you know, I, I think at the end, are we disappointed? I think a lot of people are disappointed. I think if you ask any of the Ravens players, they are disappointed that they didn't, you know, get out of the first round. They're extremely upset with themselves that they weren't able to, you know, really make a dent in the postseason. But, I mean, when you look... You know, I mean, this is the reason why we have this episode, right? We're looking back, and none of us expected this, guys. I mean, so, you know, if we're just looking at it from that angle of, you know, what we were expecting going into the season and what we got out of it, I mean, it's <laughs> it's definitely a win if we look at it from that angle. You know, we got to remember, you know, that and kind of like the long-term legacy, I'd say, of this team. It's definitely something to be proud of. You wish that with, you know, expectations adjusting midseason and with all the additional victories that we would have been able to do a little bit more. But, you know, it's just <laughs> unfortunately, it's going to be hard for the NFL, I think, to accept a uh, NBA style <laughs> or MLB style uh, yeah. series for playoffs. I just, you know, there are far too many reasons for that not to work. I, I You know, I don't think it's the answer, but. Oh, we'll never see it. No, I'm not even. I'm not even advocating for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying because of the kind of sport it is, like this happens. Sure. Yeah. There's no way you have that. Yeah. <laughs> Any team can win one game, but yeah. correct. If it's a if it's a series of games, then more often than not, the team that is the actual better team does move on. Yeah. And you do bring up a great point, Chris, of of looking at this team as what's the what's the legacy of this group of players that the Ravens have. You know, it's not. It wasn't all do or die this season. Compare that to a team like like Tennessee. Um, maybe Tennessee is for real. I don't know if Tannehill is going to be able to keep this up. This may have just been you know a a blip in the radar of his career. And I feel like it was for Tennessee, a team like Tennessee. If I was a Tennessee Titans fan, I'd feel a little more bummed out that that their season ended like they did, even though their season was just as unexpected, if not more unexpected, the success they had, because you're not really certain if you have the quarterback position nailed down or if Derrick Henry is going to continue this. I think he will, but as we were talking about after the game, this this is success that he's kind of just now started as of late 2018 season after a bit of a slow start to his career. Lamar Jackson is only 23 years old. Yes, Joe Flacco and other young quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady were able to win multiple playoff games in the early part of their career. But like we also brought up last episode, that's rare. And there's plenty of great quarterbacks who it took them a while to win 
playoff games, and they had plenty of postseason success. So, yeah, the great thing about this year, despite the fact that the Ravens aren't playing in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday, is that their window is far from closed. Yeah. Yep. We'll be talking about that, I'm sure, for future uh, podcasts this offseason about the window we have in front of us and the pieces we want to add. But we'll save that for those episodes, so please do stay subscribed. All right, guys, this episode's going pretty long, so we're going to go ahead and cut it into two parts. We're going to have a discussion for you next week about who the most approved players were on this team, looking back from last season, and also where we rank this team as far as Ravens teams go overall, and then go over our top five moments of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun conversation and just where the Ravens are and and what we're looking forward to and how the the rest of the pod will go for uh, the rest of the offseason. So definitely tune in for that episode. We'll be back next week.